Hi, this is Pastor Brittany Isaac from Urban Village Church, Chicago. We are a church that is bold, inclusive, and relevant. I know that many of you out there are hungry for a gospel message of healing and wholeness, a message that leads to a life transformed by Christ. I hope that this podcast does just that. And if it does, would you please consider making a financial gift that will support this gospel-inclusive ministry? You can do that by going to urbanvillagechurch.org forward slash give. Thanks so much and have a blessed day. Good morning, everyone. My name is Mohit. I am the evangelism coordinator here. Um, if you're interested in outreach in any way or form, please come and talk to me because I need people. All right. Today's scripture reading is John chapter 4, verses 5 to 29 and verse 39. Here we go. So he came to a Samaritan city called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tried, t- Jesus was tired out by his journey and was sitting by the well. It was about noon. A Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink of me, a woman of Samaria? Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have no bucket, and the well is deep. Where do you get this living water? Are you greater than our ancestor Jacob, who gave us this well, and with his sons and his flocks drank from it? Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But those who drink of the water that I will give them will never be thirsty. The water that I will give will become in them a spirit or spring of water, gushing up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water, so that I may never be thirsty or have to keep coming here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go call your husband and come back. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You are right in saying, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I see you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you... Say, the place where people must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus said to her, Women, believe me, the hour is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You worship what you, what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. The hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father seeks such as these to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming. When he comes, he will proclaim all things to us. Jesus said to her, I am he, the one who is speaking to you. Just then the disciples came. They were astonished that he was speaking with a woman. But no one said, What do you want? Or why are you speaking with her? Then the woman left her water jar and went back to the city. She said to the people, Come and see a man who told me everything I have ever done. He cannot be the Messiah, can he? Many Samaritans from the city believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I have ever done. May the Lord bless this word. 
Good morning, y'all. You'll have to excuse our transitions. Uh, I know normally we enter from over there and it's all smooth, but there's a bed in the way. And a toilet over there. I don't know what this... I'm going to have to go see this production. I don't know what it's about. Uh, My name is Brittany, and it is so good to have you here. I'm the pastor of this site, and um, last week was my first week back after... uh, How long was I gone? A month of renewal leave, and uh, I hope you see the joy of the Lord in my face. (laughs) Uh, Let us begin this time with prayer. Holy and gracious God, we come to you in the reading of this word with so many experiences in our life. Some of us are parched. Some of us are at a well overflowing with water. Open us to your living water. Open us to your presence in this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So uh, I, I've been in ministry about, what, seven years, and six years, and um, we don't use the lectionary, which is this three-year cycle. I've preached on this text like three or four times. This is like a favorite text of UVC, right? How many of you have heard me preach a sermon on this text? Yep. Um, don't worry, I'm not using any of the same stories. You're safe. Uh, this is a favorite text, and sometimes when you play with the text, even though it's like really good, you're like, oh, what am I going to say about this? I've already said this. Um, and one of the things that caught my attention was Jacob in this text. Uh, For those of you, I I think uh, the author of John was letting us know by mentioning Jacob a couple of times and his son Joseph that the person in this story was about to be changed, that they were going to experience God face to face and be changed. And let me tell you uh, just a little bit about Jacob uh, so that you know what I'm talking about. Jacob, like every human being alive, was a very complicated person. Uh, through multiple deceptive means, he, uh, he cheated his older brother out of his birthright and um, had to flee from home for his safety. Um, on his way out of town, he made camp at night and um, experienced this phenomenal, uh, had this phenomenal experience of the divine. And in that counter, encounter, God grants Jacob the patriarchal blessing and divine protection. So this is pretty good. Jacob leaves that experience in some ways changed. So uh, he, names that, he names that place Bethel, which is house of God. Eventually, Jacob arrives um, at the town of his mother's people and um, ends up hanging out with his uncle Laban. He goes to work for his uncle Laban because he hopes to marry Uh, there's too many R's, Rachel, his daughter. It's a long and really exciting story that I commend to you um, in uh, Genesis 29 to 31. And if you don't have a Bible, we have them out on the entrance table. Please take one. If you need a new Bible, please take one. It's a long story, but the gist of it is, this is a spoiler alert, but it's okay, right? The gist of it is that um, Laban ends up deceiving and cheating uh, Jacob, and then Jacob ends up deceiving and cheating uh, Laban, and then he again has to flee for his life. Um, and so there he is overnight at camp again, and he uh, meets an angel. 
and the angel starts wrestling with him, and they wrestle all night long until dawn. And when it becomes apparent that uh, the angel is not going to win, is not going to overpower Jacob, he says, release me. And Jacob says, uh, he, and he tears his uh, thigh bone. And Jacob says, I will not let you go until you bless me. And so the angel uh, gives uh, Jacob a new name, Israel, which means blessing. And this gives Jacob a new identity. And so realizing that Jacob had seen the face of God, he names this place Peniel, and he limps away forever changed by this encounter. So when we read the story that's located at Jacob's well, we remember all these things about Jacob. And we know that perhaps the author of John is foreshadowing that the person here will also meet God face to face and leave forever changed. Now, this scripture passage is one of the longest dialogues in the Gospel of John. And uh, it was kind of long to listen on Sunday, but there's so much richness in it. I just wanted to hear it all. Obviously, I can't talk about it all. I'm going to talk about two things today. One is the living water piece. And the other is this woman's testimony. Because receiving living water from Jesus is always what leads to testimony. So now when Jesus says living water, he's meaning two things, actually. He's meaning running water, fresh running water, you know, like you open the faucet and get running water. But he's also meaning life-changing, life-giving water. Having just met Jesus, so this woman thinks he's only talking about the running water. But as people who are here today because we have experienced living water, we know that Jesus is also talking about something else. Now, this reminds me of a story, and I may have told it before for you too, so bear with me here, this one. Uh, it reminds me of a story um, that happened to me back in the day when I was managing the Starbucks at Wrightwood and Racine. This uh, little intersection is in the middle of a neighborhood. Uh, nobody ever knows where it is. They usually say, I know where Wrightwood is, I know where Racine is, I don't know where they meet. Um, there's a Starbucks on the corner, and uh, because there's nothing else around but houses and condos and apartments, it's sort of the hub of the neighborhood. And every Saturday morning, families would come in with their children, and they would all get a Starbucks fix. Um, coffee, donuts, chocolate milk, butter croissants, you name it. Um, and so this happened every week. There was one family I had a special affinity for, but, you know, they didn't know. Didn't play favorites with my customers. Um, and so one Saturday afternoon, I was leaving the store, and as I was walking to the door, I saw uh, the family kind of in the middle of the street. The dad was on his bike, kind of turned, ba looking backwards at the store. The older sister was on her bike, also looking backwards at the store. Um, a little closer to the store was uh, the middle brother on a scooter. And then as I approached the door, I saw the youngest child, Bobby, was uh, sitting on the porch with his arms and legs wrapped around the pillar. And his mom was there trying to coax him um, back onto his scooter. Come on, Bobby, we want to go on a family ride. I need a Starbucks. 
they'd already been in that morning, but honey, you already had your Starbucks today. You're fine. And Bobby, at this point, he had tears streaming down his face, desperate for another, thirsty beyond belief. He said, but I'm still thirsty. And when I heard that story, I knew he was talking about chocolate milk. And yet, as I thought about all of my friends and acquaintances and myself that have carried pain and addiction and shame and fear, I also knew that this statement was a deeper truth about who Jesus was and what he offers to us. What he offers to our parched lives is living water. I'm just curious how many of you are here today because you have experienced, received, drunk from that living water. This is not rhetorical. How many of you are here today because you're thirsty and somebody has told you about the living water and you want to see it and experience it for yourself? Living water. Friends, we're in the last week of our sermon series called Shareable. And Santa alluded to this before, but evangelism can often be a a nine-letter word that feels like a four-letter word. Uh, But in this sermon series, Shareable, we are exploring evangelism, which basically means to share the gospel, to share the good news, to share the living water that we have experienced because we know people who are thirsty. Over the last uh, few weeks, we, at least I think, I, I wasn't here, but uh, we've, we've been talking about how the gospel really is good news. We've talked about like what um, has Jesus, we've invited you to think about what Jesus has done in your life, how you have experienced Jesus, and what your testimony might be. Today I want to talk about how to share the gospel in authentic and relevant ways, especially because we live in an environment of cynics and smart alecks and just like a lot of um, fear about what Christianity is, yeah? There's a lot of suspicion about Christianity, about church, and I think it's for good reason. For many, reason, for many years, my experience of evangelism, what I thought evangelism was, was, was shame-based, anti-gay, white colonialism. And I thought, that does not feel like good news to me. It feels like bad news. But, um, but that isn't actually what evangelism is. That isn't actually what the gospel is. So let me say very clearly in this sermon series on evangelism called Shareable, we are not talking about shame-based, anti-gay colonialism, white colonialism. That uh, evangelism actually isn't biblical. Um, And if we look, and and I want to look into the scriptures today with a Samaritan woman because I think that she is actually one of the very first evangelists. And I think she offers a great guide of... um, how to evangelize, how to share your experience. She does this in one sentence, 12 words. Um, 
And she does this in a way, I wanna, I wanna start this by saying she does this in a way that is full of humility and openness. So here she is, she's had this conversation with Jesus where Jesus has said, I'm the Messiah and I'm offering you living water. And she's experienced this all. And then she goes out into the town and she says, come and see, um, come and experience this man who has told me everything I know, everything I am. And then she follows with this line of, could this man be the Messiah? And what I see in that is a posture of generosity to other people. She isn't going to share um, her experience knowing that she has the one right way and if the people don't believe her, then, they, um, then they're all going to hell. She approaches people saying, this is my experience. Do you think that this man is the Messiah? So as we think about evangelism, I want to have us think about it um, rooted in a posture of openness and humility with all those we encounter. We evangelize not out of fear, but because we have experienced the powerful, life-giving, life-changing living water in our own lives, and we want to share it with others. I've said this many times before. It's like when you go to a restaurant and you have a great experience, and you like then tell everybody you know, right? That's why we share, because we want everybody to know about the great experience we've had, right? So in 12 words, this woman uh, allows many Samaritans in the city to believe in Jesus. High standard, but let's start. I see two parts with this invitation to the townspeople. First, she says, come and see. Come and see. Last week, uh, nearly 100 of you all marched in the pride parade. And basically what you were doing was saying, come and see. You were giving people high fives and hugs and flyers. And you were saying, come and see. You are loved. Come and see a place where that is true. You did it a couple weeks before that at Midsummer Fest. Do you remember that? Uh, you, made, you invited people, come and see. Come and make a button out of a cartoon character. Come and make a button. Come and see. And people came, right? Lots of people came. Lots of buttons were made. And then you had the opportunity to share your testimony, to share about church, to share why it's important to you. So once we invite people, then we have to do something with them, right? We have to share our experience. How many of you guys had invitation, uh, uh, conversations in the Midsummer Fest tent? Like, like people are like, well, what's this church all about? Did any of you? Yeah. They're great conversations, right? And you get to share your testimony in like 12 words, just like this woman. Her testimony is, he has told me everything I have ever done. And as we look at the words of the scripture that we read today, I think what she is saying is, here is someone who saw me and into the heart of me for who I am. Not the labels that society has put on me uh, of Samaritan, which Jews were here, Samaritans were here. Not the label of woman that puts me even further down here. Not the label of divorcee that puts me even further down here. 
not the label of now I'm only just living with a man. She was the lowest of the low. And so when this woman says, come and see a man who has told me everything I have ever done, what she is saying is, this man saw me and knew me and loved me. This man offered me living water. And as we said, you are here today because you've experienced that living water or you hope to experience that loving gaze. Think about it for a minute. In your most vulnerable state, how did you come to experience and know the love of Jesus? In your times of greatest pain or fear or uncertainty, what happened? That's your testimony. That's your testimony. This woman at the well, she didn't have all the right theology or religious training. And yet she shared. See, sometimes I think, oh, evangelism, it's for the paid types, right? Because they have the education. No. (laughs) This woman didn't have any of that. She spoke out of her experience. So you're to- and also I think sometimes we think like um, I can only give my testimony when my life is is worked out when it's tied up with a bow. I'll tell you what. Actually, Sam gave testimony about a year ago at this time, and some of his testimony a year ago was like I don't know what's going on, and that was powerful too. So. Friends, we share because this world is full of so many false stories, so many places that promise living water that really lead to dead ends. And so we share our testimony so that people can know about life and love and the care of God. I want to close with a story uh, Back in the day, before we had a worshiping community here, I was going out into the community a lot, trying to meet anybody and everybody that would want to talk to a crazy pastor about a church that she was starting. And uh, I went to this event um, that was, it it was called a bridge event, and it was an attempt to bridge the LGBT community with the Christian community. Um, And at this event, I met this guy, I'll call him Ben. And Ben, uh, we talked a little bit at this event, and then we went out for coffee later on. And he, um, he, I heard his story. He grew up in a very rules-based, rigid Christian home, and he was taught um, a lot of uh, shame and fear about God, that he could never measure up, never be enough. And especially in that context that if he was gay, he would certainly never be enough. And so Ben came out eventually. And uh, he was met by judgment and um, sort of being cast out of his church community. After a while, he, living on his own, um, 
he started to living, live into some of the false narratives that we, some of the places that we go to try to quench our thirst but only make us thirsty. He, um, uh, well, when I met him, he was in recovery for 90 days um, from alcohol and crystal meth. He had been um, caught up in addiction for about 15 years. And as we talked, um, he said, you know, I, I'm good with Jesus. I, I read the, the scriptures and I see Jesus always being really kind and not judgmental and um, generous with people. But I'm so hurt by the church. So hurt by the church. We didn't have a worshiping community at that time, but he um, started going to our, we had an LGBT life group that was meeting on uh, Lakeview, and he made some connections there. He eventually moved downstate, and I've lost track of him. But I think about him. Sometimes people have, they know, like Sam was saying in testimony today, they know that God loves them and is kind and generous but they haven't been in a place where they can experience it. And so our job as, as people who have experienced that life-giving water, who know and have found a community where they're not judged, where they're fully accepted, maybe challenged a little bit, right? But loved and accepted. Our job is to share that with others. So think about your testimony. Think about the living water that you've experienced. And go forth this day and every day to share it with everyone you meet. Amen.